Hello to everyone online. Hope you guys are well and out of your pajamas. Um, for those of you that I haven't met, uh, my name's Quinton, a part of the team here at Grace City. And this morning, I get to carry on our Boots On series, okay? So, a series that we as elders really hope stir us afresh for the importance of mission. As we get to play a part in making disciples, and as we broadly consider what it actually means for us to to effectively put on our boots and what the Bible refers to about us making fishes of men. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that uh, Tom kicked off the series as we considered what it practically looks like um, for us and what it means for us to be on mission together amongst ourselves and together individually and more corporately as a church family. And you'll recall that he used this wonderful analogy of a fisherman casting a net. I think we've got a photo of casting of this net. And, and, and in this picture, the net actually represented the church. And at the end were all the individual stones that represented each one of us and made up the church family. And he helped us, in a way, visualize and understand that it is only when the net is ultimately thrown and then subsequently starts to get pulled back to the stones at the end start to get drawn together, with them ultimately coming together. And, and whilst the stones um, come together they, 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 and, and they bump each other and they nudge each other in the process, they eventually come together at the end, united at the bottom as one. As one. And he also made this really important point that it is not us that pulls the net, that we are just the stones at the end, flung out from the center, if you like, and it is only the Holy Spirit that actually pulls the net and draws the catch in. It was such a helpful picture for us to consider what it actually means to be on mission with God. So if we think about part one of the series was about us considering those that we hold really close to ourselves and ourselves coming together as a church family and being on mission for each other, today I get to talk about the next concentric circle, if you like, the, those outside of our immediate circle to the next geographical area of our lives represented by those outside of our immediate sphere of influence here in the church. And this group is categorized by those that we would find in, whether it be in our workplace, at schools, as unis, at our sports centers or sports clubs, those in our community, and those that we actually interact with on a daily basis outside of the church. And the reality is, is that for the majority of us, this is where we're in fact going to live out the Great Commission on our lives. And it's suggested that um, in our lifetime, that we will spend approximately 100,000 hours at work um, in, in, in our lifetime. It feels like I did that this week alone. But it's something like 65% of our daily lives. You see, it's a huge amount of time, generally, with people that don't share the same views, they may not share the same beliefs and values that we hold so dearly. So how do we do this effectively? And I'm reminded of, of, 
of a time, so a, a while back, a few years ago, where the CEO of our business walked into my office and he closed the door, not something that he would normally have done. And after the initial sort of pleasantries and the initial chit-chat, I leant into the conversation a little bit more, and I just said to him, how are you actually going? And it was at that time when he really actually started to open up, and, and, and he started sharing some of the difficulties and the challenges he was having in his marriage with his wife and his kids, the pressures of work, and some of their, their, their family dynamic. And important to note that he absolutely knew that I was a Christian. And during this time, whilst he was pouring out all these difficulties and these challenges, I had this, this moment where there's that, you know, that little voice in your head where it's normally quiet and, 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 and silent? This was the big, booming voice. And this voice just encouraged me and simply said, ask him if you can pray with him. And it was at that moment with, with just the two of us in the room behind the closed door, him vulnerable and God having spoken so clearly that after this long pause, I simply went, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> because, yes, friends, at that moment, I bottled it. Like, and, and I failed, if you like, in a way, because it was this God-orchestrated moment that I lacked the courage the conviction, the strength to actually follow through. And still, to this day, I think about the what-if scenario. What if I'd actually followed through with that? But can we also just be, be honest and be real that it's really hard and it's, it's, it's far easier said than done. In reality, how do we navigate this commission that we have without, in a way, breaching HR policies or company school university codes of conduct and regulations um, that surround all that, and at the same time, trying to potentially not isolate ourselves or seeming weird or, or odd and everything in between? How do we remain faithful to the task without conceding or compromising in our faith, but still doing the very best we can to advance the kingdom? So the disclaimer here up front is that none of this is groundbreaking theology in any shape or form. And to be honest, it's actually rather simple. And I thought about the way of bringing it was, would be helpful was just actually using some real practical ideas or thoughts that I had on how we can reach those in this sphere of influence that I was talking about. So firstly, can we agree that we should be viewing ourselves as servants? Yeah, And next, that our true boss, our true leader, the authority over us is in fact Christ. And because of that, we should always work diligently with integrity, knowing that our reward is actually from Him. And since all authority on earth is God-given, that we should obey our superiors gladly, that means those in business, those in political positions, and other centers of authority. Unless, of course, it goes against the commands and the guidelines that we actually read in Scripture. And finally, all those we work with or for, and those that we interact with in our communities, have worth in the eyes of our Creator. And as a result, that they should be treated with respect. And I make this point because 
I think we as Christians can sometimes think of ourselves above or think of ourselves better than our unsaved colleagues or the lost that are in our community. And whilst that may be true because we are a chosen people, we are set apart, we are righteous in the eyes of our Father, our daily interactions with people should not reflect this mindset. And we need to guard ourselves from thinking about it in this way. Because I firmly believe that one of the greatest hindrances in, in the gospel's effectiveness is Christians who act one way at church and another way elsewhere. You see, the way that we live for God should permeate all areas of our life. That includes the way that we conduct ourselves in our marriages, in our relationships, in our, in our, in our family circles where nobody is watching, and our friendship circles, our workplace, our sports club, universities, all those things. There should be no exception to that. Because the way we act reflects our faith. You see, it's a mirror effect. So if we claim to be Christians, our co-workers, our bosses, our employees will equate our attitudes and actions with that of Jesus. And Kate always reminds me about this because if I lose my sparkle, and that's what I'm going to call it, lose my sparkle, if something frustrates me or annoys me, yes, I'm still working through my patience gifting, but... If I lose my sparkle, Kate will turn to me and she says, did that person see Jesus in you today? <laughs> and it's one of those questions that, you know, just hits you squarely on the nose. There's no way to get away from it. And it really makes you consider the Jesus image you are mirroring to the world. The question we should be asking ourselves is, do those around you see a positive reflection of God in the way that you carry and that you conduct yourselves. The encouragement here is not to lead a double life. What we do in church, how we behave and how we live should be our character attitude when we're outside of these four walls. We cannot separate these two worlds. The next point we need to make is that being a witness is not a calling, and it's not a gift. The reality is, is that it has less to do with gifts and abilities, but rather it's a matter of our spirit. We need to acknowledge that we are all witnesses, and frankly, we don't have a choice in the matter. You see, 2 Peter tells us, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. The truth is, you, you can give a poor witness, or you can give a good witness. And we can fall into the trap of being a witness to our own goodness. But we can also witness to the fact that God has worked in our lives and developed our character as, res as a pure response to our relationship with Him. And Matthew 5, 13 to 16, a verse that we could run an entire preaching series on, tells us that we are all salt and light. It's just who we are. Once we put our faith in Christ, we become a witness and we become salt and light. The question is, how bright do you want that light to shine? 
and how salty and how effective do you want to be? So as I mentioned earlier, the missed opportunity with our, my, my then CEO, it was something that really actually affected me. And I remember trying to actually recreate the scenario in the hope that it would have leaned to a similar type of discussion, a similar amount of vulnerability from him, and this time I wouldn't bottle it and I'd follow through. But unfortunately, it was not something that actually ever happened again. But at the same time as this was going on, I actually made really good friends with someone I worked with, with, with another colleague who, shall we say, led a very colorful life, okay? Um, and we would often sit on a Monday morning and we would debrief the weekend and I would share with him. We went to church on Sunday or we had a prayer meeting or a church conference, things like that. And little by little, over a period of time, he... He, he, in a way, started to ask more questions, and he started softening his heart to the things that I was saying and the things that I was sharing, and he became somewhat open to exploring Christianity. I would invite him to church. I would invite him to life group or men's events that we were having. He didn't, unfortunately, attend any of them, but he would often ask me to pray for him, not in the moment, but, you know, one of those, can you pray for me on a Sunday type conversations, but he had this real desire to find a partner and to change his ways. And oh boy, did, did God come through for him in, in, in that way, because he met the most wonderful Christian lady who understood grace to firstly see him through the challenges and some of the past um, hurts that he had had. They're now married with two children and, they, and he's serving intimately and intimately involved in the church where they live. But you see, here's the thing, is God was calling him. It wasn't me. I didn't convert him. In fact, far from it. But I was there when he needed a chat, when he needed a prompting to consider where his identity lay, what he was actually putting his hope in, and you know what? Above all, to frankly just love him through the process with no judgment for how he was living his life at the time. For lack of a better phrase, I wasn't Bible bashing him, shall we say, but rather trying my absolute best to live out my most favorite scripture in all of the Bible, Galatians 5 verse 6, which reminds us of the importance of faith expressing itself through love. There's this incredible quote from an unknown author. It says, Be fishers of men, you catch them, he'll clean them. How cool is that? Like, it just, it speaks to the fact that we're not doing this alone, that it is God, we just need to play our part. So with this in mind, I'm going to continue the analogy that Tom used last week, the, the fishing analogy, if you like. And we know that Matthew 4 calls us to be fishers of men or fishers of women. How's this for a quote? Paul Harvey said this, We've strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. Just let that sink in for a moment. Grace City Church, have we strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. That challenges me. 
And it means, like, I, I read that and I just want to grow in the way that I'm reaching the kingdom and being on mission for God. So some simple application, as I said. So what does a fisherman need to do in order to be effective, in, in order to catch a fish? For the record, when it comes to real legitimate fishing, I'm the worst there is. I think I've probably caught three fish in my life. So don't take fishing advice from me, but let's look for some similarities in terms of fishing for men. First, we need to know something about the fish that we're trying to catch, right? You can't just take any old pole, any old line, any old worm on a hook, throw it in the pond or throw it in the lake. You need to understand fish. For example, the way of catching bream as a fish is different to how you would catch snapper, is different to how you would catch kingfish. They are all different. All fish take different lures, different bait, and they have different techniques that need to be used. But even if you're looking to catch the same fish, it changes by location. You see, the bream in Sydney don't eat the same bait as the bream in Perth, for example. So to be effective as a fisherman, you need to understand fish. You need to understand the fish in your local area, your local sphere of influence. You need to get to know what, what they like, what they don't like, the times of day that they feed. And the same is true if you want to be a fisher of men. You need to get to know people in a very personal, intimate way that what makes them tick what fuels them? You see, the reality is, is that people are not soulless beings or spirits. They're people, and people matter to God. People will not care what you know until they know that you care. And Paul says something very similar in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. He says, because we love you so much, we are delighted to share not only the gospel or the good news with you, but our very lives. Are you sharing your very lives with those that you interact with in your sphere of influence? Or are you just simply going through the motions with them? If you want to reach them, it requires that you share your life. Because here's the thing. Fish do not like to be snagged. If you want to try to scare a fish away, try catching one purely by snagging. It's, you're going to be unsuccessful in that approach. Secondly, fishing is about being selective. If you want to be effective as a fisherman, you need, you need to know that you can't catch every fish. Some fish are simply not hungry. They, they, they simply don't nibble. But some fish do. And it's important to realize it's somewhat selective, and you should only share something about your, your, your life and your faith with those who are actually interested, because otherwise, it can sometimes be exhausting, frustrating, particularly if they are not biting in that scenario. And thirdly, for a fisherman to be effective, you can't and you shouldn't put the whole bucket of bait on one hook. It just makes sense. You just need to put a little bit. And that's what fishing is. It's, it's casually, naturally, and confidently inserting, if you like, fitting comments, not, 
not out-of-place comments, but fitting comments about God, the church, church family, your faith, the Bible, or something spiritual into the conversation. And trusting that when you do, God is actually going to show up and He will do the rest. We don't need to shoot for that, if you like, Damascus Road moment in every interaction. As amazing as that would be, we are simply called to, to play our part, to mirror and reflect God's Spirit in this interaction. And know that at that time, He will be there in our corner, cheering us along and calling at exactly the same time. So I mentioned some real practical ways that we can actually go about living this in our daily lives outside of these four walls. So whilst this may be workplace-related, I just want to encourage you again to think about them, particularly to your sphere of influence. The first is covering yourself and your workplace in prayer. If possible, I want to encourage you to devote a, sp a specific time for you to pray for yourself and your colleagues each day. I use my time as I'm going in on the bus and commuting uh, to the city, and as I go over the harbour bridge, it's sort of my, 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 my reminder, if you like, my, okay, let's, let's get in the zone here, and taking the opportunity to pray for the day ahead, asking God to, firstly, to protect me, to use me as a light during the day, praying that colleagues would see Jesus through me, and praying for opportunities to speak to workmates, and ultimately that their hearts would actually be open to receiving the word, and asking for the strength and the courage to share my faith. So when those moments, like when what happened with my CEO happen, that I've got the courage to actually step forward and go through that. We cannot do that in our own strength. We have to press into God on a daily basis to do that. Look for opportunities to create genuine relationships with your colleagues. The reality is, is that we can't go into this in an all-guns-blazing approach because with the gospel, without getting to know those that we work alongside, because we're simply just going to hit a brick wall, if you like. People are much more likely to be receptive if you have a, a genuine rapport with them based on authentic interests and concern for them. And this goes back to that fishing analogy that I gave, to ensure that we know the fish, know the bait that we're using, and remain selective. But we also need to be honest and open. And the best way to share faith at work is actually to allow your colleagues to drive the conversation. If they ask questions, they may be inviting you to actually talk about your, your beliefs rather than you just forcing it upon them. Simple questions like, what did you do on the weekend? Or why did you name your son that? Something like that. That can easily open up the door for conversations about God. But always remember to be gentle and natural in your responses. Often we just need to plant the seed that we can come back and water at a later stage. And like I said earlier, I was fortunate enough to see this with my colleagues. It really does make a difference when we live it out this way. And be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's a real good idea to give an account, and, and we're called to give an account for the hope that we have and 
the way of doing this may also be through mentally preparing answers to sort of common questions, if you like. But we should also keep listening for that still and that small voice because the way, that way the conversation might end up taking a completely different view and, and, and end up in a completely different place than what we had thought. For example, a word of knowledge imparted by the Holy Spirit is going to have a far more impactful, have far more impact on a person than simply telling them that they're a sinner and that they need to repent. Being close to the Holy Spirit is going to give you that ability and ensure that we are aligned with, with Him during that time. And this is a simple one, and it might seem silly to put up, but stick to the rules. But familiarize yourself with those rules and those regulations that I spoke about, the policies in your company. But as I mentioned earlier, it suggested we, we constantly need to obey our superiors and those that rule gladly. But we need to be sensitive to these whilst we also balance cultural differences. And this is something that will actually be picked up on next week. Conduct yourself well, because as I mentioned earlier, Christian hypocrisy is one of the main things that keeps people from investigating Christianity and a relationship with Christ, because Christians and their behaviors are so often uh, scrutinized. Of course, the basic message of Christianity is that no one is perfect, and that is why we need Jesus. Yet, how others view our actions is important. You see, Jesus' ministry was one of both word and deed. From this, we need to understand that having our actions back up our words and vice versa is core to Christian outreach. And we touched on this earlier again. But nobody is going to respect your beliefs um, if you spend all of your time at work doing things like gossiping, complaining, slacking off, passing the buck. If your faith isn't reflecting your character, it will have a limited impact on those around you. And then lastly, consider or try to link up with other Christians in the workplace or in, in, in your sphere of influence. Now, this doesn't mean things like necessarily lunchtime prayer meetings or Bible studies. Those things are good. But this simply means getting to know that you may not be alone in the wilderness, in the workplace, that you've got brothers and sisters who are jointly covering the mission field with you. And remember, friends, ultimately, it isn't your job to convert your colleagues, your friends, your teammate, your uni acquaintances, and those in your community. It's, it, and it's always good to be transparent about your beliefs and the way that you conduct yourself should always reflect your faith. And above all, we are called to keep praying and trusting God for those that we do life with in this sphere and take every opportunity to bravely share when they come along. So as I said, some simple practical steps that can help hopefully equip us for ways of actually being influential in our, in our sphere of influence. Um, I did think it would be nice for us to actually take the opportunity to link the past preaching series that we did on prayer and where we find ourselves now in terms of praying, uh, sorry, and mission and bring the two together, and actually praying for opportunities for us to bring the two together, 
how we conduct ourselves in the workplace, in our spheres of influence. Pray for those opportunities. Pray for the strength in order to actually follow through with that too.